Springvale. As we look towards Father's Day, we'll be starting a new series called The Model Man, where we look at two opposing characteristics and see how Jesus modeled both of them in his life and ministry. I'll be preaching on grace and truth this morning. Pastor Ed will be preaching on strength and humility next week. And finally, we'll have Dustin wrapping up the series the following week on love and justice. Speaking about justice, I know many of you have heard the news of that residential school. And right now, I just want us to take that to the Lord in prayer. Father, you are good. And despite all the tragedies and all the things that we don't understand in this world, Father, the evil that exists in the world, Lord, you are good still. And Father, in every situation, Lord, you are sovereign. Lord, your grace, your truth, and Lord, your love reign over all things. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that there would be love uh, demonstrated in this situation. Your love would shine through in this situation, and your grace and truth would be the guiding principle as we look to heal and as we look to come back from this situation. Lord, I also pray for uh, the sermon this morning that you would anoint the lips of your servant, that I would be able to preach your word, your truth from your scripture. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2008, the USA basketball team was looking to avenge its worst performance from the 2004 Olympics. And to lead the team, they looked to coach Mike Krzyzewski, as many know him, Coach K. Now, Coach K had never and has never won an NBA championship. He's never even won an NBA game. In fact, he doesn't even coach at the NBA level. He coaches at the college level. And the reason they looked to him is because he would bring forth and bring to the very same players, those 2004 players, a set of standards that they would all agree to uphold. These standards included things like, look me in the eye when I'm talking to you, always tell the truth, and always act like a champion. By which he meant that all your actions and behaviors needed to demonstrate a high level of professionalism. See, these basketball players, they didn't need to learn the game of basketball. They were already the best. They needed to learn to work together as a team, to act in grace and truth towards each other and towards others. Jesus does the very same thing for us as men today. Now, oftentimes we may feel as though these two characteristics, grace and truth, are diametrically opposed. We might on one hand think that people need to be sheltered and hidden from the harsh realities of the truth of the world around them. And on the other, we might feel like people need to be confronted with the whole cold hard facts regardless of how they're received. But Jesus demonstrates for us that neither of these are correct because the truth is that we need grace. Our passage this morning comes from John 8, 2 through 11. Now, if you're following along in your Bibles, you may notice that this passage is in brackets. And some Bibles may even note that this passage was not in the original manuscript. 
The reason for this is that because it actually isn't found in some of the oldest manuscripts that we have of the Bible and of the Gospel of John. Now, this doesn't mean that the story isn't true. What's likely uh, to have happened is that this story was actually an oral story that was passed down and a later writer decided to include it. So what likely happened is that this is actually a story from Jesus's life and ministry that somebody later decided to include in the Gospel of John. So our passage begins in verse 2 where Jesus is teaching to a large group of gathered people in the temple and the Pharisees and scribes burst in, dragging in with them a woman that they've caught in adultery and they plop her down in their midst and they say in verse 5, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. What do you say? Now verse 6 indicates that the Pharisees and scribes were trying to trap Jesus. And both the Pharisees and scribes and Jesus would be familiar with the law in Deuteronomy 22 that stipulated that if a man or woman was caught in adultery, they should be stoned to death. Now, the trap is this. If Jesus was to confirm this death penalty, he would not only lose his reputation for compassion, he could also be charged with inciting violence and he could be brought to the Romans as trying to confirm a death penalty that they have not authorized. On the other hand, if he shows this woman grace, then he would be charged with contradicting the law of God. So then the Pharisees and scribes thought that this would be a clever trap to try to entrap Jesus and prove that he wasn't a real teacher. Now, initially, Jesus doesn't respond to their rude interruption of his teaching. But as they continue to press him, he responds in verse 7 saying, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Notice here his response. He doesn't attempt to disguise or hide the truth of her sin because it is the truth. She has been caught in adultery. But he responds, Let him who is without sin cast the first stone or throw the first stone. Now, his response is important on two levels. First, in acknowledging the truth of her sin, Jesus is calling us also to acknowledge the truth of our sin. See, men, how often are we trying to lie to even ourselves about our sin? We try to skirt the line with the entertainment that we watch. We say, well, this isn't pornography, and this isn't quite pornography, or this may be not gambling, and this isn't quite drinking to excess, but we try to get as close to the line as possible with sin and refuse to acknowledge that we are, in fact, tempting ourselves. And not only do we do this, but we take it a step further oftentimes. When we actually have sinned, we attempt to conceal it from others, from those who we are supposed to be accountable to, from our spouses, from our children, from our accountability partners. We often try to hide the truth of our sin from ourselves and from others. Yet Jesus calls us to acknowledge the truth of our sin. The second thing that Jesus' response does is confront his accusers with the reality of their sin. Verse 9 says, But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Now, what's important to note here is what's not stated. See, 
In Jewish law, it's important that the person who witnessed the sin be the one to cast the first stone. Now, it's highly unlikely that the Pharisees and scribes just happened to stumble upon the perfect situation to entrap Jesus. What is more likely is that they knew what was going on with this woman, or they were in fact even possibly involved with the situation of this woman's uh, adultery, and they purposely created this situation to try to trap Jesus. And so then they would also be involved in the sin, and Jesus would be acknowledging the truth and forcing them to confront the reality of their own sin before casting a stone. Now, the problem is that we're often very uncomfortable with confronting others with the reality of their sin. We're all familiar with Matthew 7.1 that says, Judge not, lest you be judged. And the subsequent ophthalmological advice we find in verse 3 that says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? We often think to ourselves, well, I don't want to be judging others, so I won't be uh, confronting them with the, the sin that is in their lives that I can so clearly see. But see, that is a short sighted or incomplete picture of what Jesus is saying. Because in verse five, he also says, you hypocrite. First, take out the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Notice what he says here. He's saying, first acknowledge the sin that is in your own life before then helping your brother or sister with the sin that is in their lives. You need to acknowledge the truth of the sin in your own lives, but also after doing so, you need to confront and acknowledge the sin that is in the lives of those around you. And when confronted with the reality of the sin in our lives, we realize the truth is that we all need grace. But without that truth hitting us first, without that shining, blinding light of truth, we won't realize that we need grace. Augustine of Hippo compares man and women to a mirror that was created to reflect the glory and light of God. Now, when we sin, we become this increasingly curved inwards mirror. And when we lie to ourselves about our sins, we become increasingly ever more inwardly turned to the point that we no no longer reflect the glory and light of God. Yet with the grace and truth of the gospel, we are then able to unravel and regain our purpose. But how do we balance the truth with grace? Again, Jesus' example in his response to the Pharisees gives us three points to learn. First, notice how he doesn't call out each one of the Pharisees and scribes with all of their individual sins, even though he could have. He could have pointed to each one of them and said, this is how you have sinned, here's how you have fallen short, and he could have publicly humiliated and shamed each one of those people, yet he doesn't. I find this example so pertinent for our culture today where we have this strong uh, culture of canceling things, where we don't seem to want to forgive people for the wrongs that they've committed or even the perceived wrongs that they committed. One of my nephew's favorite cartoons is Paw Patrol. And on there, there's a little police dog named Chase. 
and Chase has recently been removed from all of the previews and all of the highlights and removed from his leading role as part of the Paw Patrol family because he is a police dog and there has been such a strong backlash against police. They've in, in effect canceled Chase for simply being a police cartoon dog. So how can we follow Jesus' example of gracefully calling out the sin in others? For us, this often looks like accountability partners or having honest conversations with our spouse where we gracefully confront them with the reality of their sin. We can ask questions like, hey, how are you doing with that sin that I know that you've been struggling with? How can I support you in it? How can I help you and pray with you and help you overcome that? How can I be of assistance to you and walk alongside you as you look to seek the Lord in helping you with your sin? Our second lesson about grace comes from Jesus' response to the woman accused of adultery. In verses 10 and 11, it says, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. See, in reality, Jesus actually was the only one who would have been qualified to carry out the death sentence. Yet he does not pick up stones, nor does he hurl anything at her. In fact, Jesus calls her to sin no more and lets her go. And this is the reality of the gospel, because the truth of the gospel is grace. See, the truth of the matter was that Jesus knew that she needed grace just like we need grace. Because just like she has sinned, we too have sinned. Now our sins may be different, but we too have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. And the penalty for that sin is eternal separation from him. It is eternal death. But Jesus in his grace and love came down to take our place to die the death that was rightly yours and mine and paid that penalty for us so that we could be reunited with him. Not only did he die, but he was raised again in three days and conquered that sin and extends to us that grace so that when we accept it, we can then be reunited with God and not only reunited with God, but live in in obedience to him. Our third lesson again comes from Jesus' response to the woman. In verse 11, he says, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Here, he acknowledges the truth of her sin, yet demonstrates grace towards her in not carrying out the penalty of the stoning that was rightly hers. In 1 Corinthians 13:1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men, and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And this is the case when it comes to speaking about the truth. We need to do it in love. We need to demonstrate grace towards others. We need to demonstrate grace towards those who have wronged us when they are indeed sinning against us or have committed sins. Yes, we need to acknowledge the truth of that sin, but we also need to extend the grace that Jesus demonstrates towards this woman. It's interesting that the narrator seems unconcerned with the emotions of the woman. She must have been so scared, 
so humiliated because mere moments ago she was facing certain death as she was being dragged in in front of Jesus. Yet here she was, Jesus demonstrating grace towards her and the gratitude that she must have felt towards Jesus. And this is what it means to live out the truth of the gospel. It means that we are demonstrating grace to those around us as we call them to the repentance of their sins. Conversely, how often as men do we not live this truth out? How often as men are we not graceful to those around us? We often bring home our frustrations from work. We often are angry and upset with our family. We are frustrated with their perceived shortcomings. How often are we ungraceful towards the people that we meet? How often do we not Give people the time of day as we are going through our daily lives, focused on the task and the only task that we think is important. I want to wrap this up this morning with a story from my own life and a story of contrasting grace and truth and a lack thereof. When I was in high school, I played softball and uh, one of my coaches really lacked that grace, although he was really strong with the truth. Oftentimes when we would Uh, make errors in the field or we would strike out, he would be so upset with us. I remember one episode where we were particularly comical with our errors. Uh, He sat us down in the dugout and chewed us all out, each one of us, for all the errors that we made. I had never been more embarrassed or ashamed to play the sport of softball. Yet later in life, uh, fortunately, when I continued to play softball, I came across a coach that was able to help me and show me how I could be a better player. He was able to walk alongside me and help me and coach me and show me how to be uh, a better shortstop and how to make better throws step by step and guided me through that process in grace and truth. And he helped me so much more than my coach in, in high school that I re-fell in love with the sport of softball and I gained new heights in the sport of softball and got way better than I ever was. The same is true for us today because the truth is that we need grace and Jesus is the one who models this for us as the model man. He is the one who calls us to live in grace and truth and demonstrate that grace and truth towards others as we call others to follow him. So won't you join me in prayer? as we dedicate uh, this sermon series to the model man, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word and the grace and truth that you demonstrate in it. Father, help us to live in grace and truth, knowing that you are the one who leads us on by your spirit. Lord, help us to apply this message to our lives and help us to become better men, better women, better people, following after your heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.